Welcome back, everyone, to this episode of the Frosty Connects podcast. I'm your host, Jason, who does not have Frosty this week. Oh, yeah, that's right. Instead, I forgot I... that we were going to use my real name in this podcast. <laughs> Instead, it's Steve. And... I mean, like, that's not information that anyone had to dig for, but <laughs> I, it's like on my fucking Steam profile, and it's been a few other places. Yeah, I don't know. It's just like weird. After a certain number of episodes, hearing you just refer to me by my screen name, I was like, ah, fuck it, let's just... It took 22 episodes to go, you know what, fuck this. I don't move very quickly. <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed this. <laughs> anyway, Stephen, what do you want to start with? Oh, actually, you know what? I know what we're supposed to start with. We're supposed to start with Mads' questions, because that's what we promised on last episode. Yeah, I'll, so hold on. Before we do that, I just want to, like, a quick mention. So, like, over last night and then earlier this morning it came to light that the state of California has... Oh, the Blizzard thing. Yeah, has sued the shit of Activision Blizzard for sexual harassment and, like, terrible work culture. Neither mm. of us are equipped to speak about that in any capacity that would do it justice. We're acknowledging it. There's a Bloomsburg... Or not Bloomsburg. Um, Bloomberg Law? Some news site. Anyway, the, there's a uh, Bloomsburg Law. Oh, I can't read. Okay, so it is Bloomsburg. Um, we're going to link a... <laughs> thinking like, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I just I homogenized the friggin' URL. But yeah, we're going to link that. I recommend that you read it if you haven't already. I imagine a lot of people probably already have read it because it's been all over social media this morning and last night at the time of recording. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely go ahead and, and look through that. I think that informing oneself about what transpired is important, and then you can use that information however you wish to. But as far as this podcast goes, openly going to admit that I don't think Jason or I are, are equipped with the ability to speak about this topic in any amount of detail that would actually be uh, useful, but it, it, what happened, or what has been happening, rather, over the last number of years is very terrible. Very shitty. And, like, the person who took their life, that's even worse. I'm at least glad that the government in California stepped in to just fucking go after the company for this and has gotten around, you know, some of the more... Just with the way the legal system is designed, uh, there was a chance that this could have just gotten buried in, like, litigation and stuff, but the government found a way to get through the normal kind of bullshit court laws that exist so they could actually go after Activision Blizzard and kind of spearhead them with this. So that's quite good. But the events that caused us to transpire are quite shitty, so... Yeah, no CEO bonus for that motherfucker. Yeah, and I saw some other stuff that got brought up that I had wasn't actually aware of. Uh, apparently, Bobby Kotick, the uh, CEO, was named in um, Epstein's Black Book, so... <laughs> of course. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, we're going to link that article. I highly recommend you check out the article, at least. I believe it also has a link to the full legal transcript, if you want to read through that. That's a little more dense, but yeah. Yeah, sorry. Yo, I, so how do you transition away from that? Like, Okay, hard stop. Uh... <laughs> yeah, okay, so now we'll do Maz's question, because we said we were going to. Yes. So, Maz's question isn't so much of a question as it is a um, topic to go on about for any amount of time so he's really big into looking at sales numbers for mm -hmm. both games services hardware all that stuff in his mind third-party exclusivity deals are a, are really what pushed sony to you know like win the last generation versus microsoft 
Yeah, so like a lot of people always claim it's the exclusive content. Like, oh, it's The Last of Us, God of War, Horizon Zero Dawn, Uncharted. But I feel like a lot of the time, people who are really involved with gaming, or at least people in like the sphere of gaming, of like, you know, people who regularly talk about games on social media, kind of forget and exclude a very large portion of the audience of people who consume games. I mean, they're actually the minority. Yeah, I play like all these exclusives and stuff like that. Typically, I would maybe not say in the minority, but the people who are talking online are definitely in the minority because I feel like you go online and especially within like our immediate gaming sphere too, right? Like how many people play fucking Call of Duty? I don't know. Like fucking none of them. Well, I think Maz sometimes plays Call of Duty, but like I can name like one person yet. It's like the best selling game every single year unless Rockstar releases a game. (laughs) Yes. Some people who just like buy like shooters and sports games and that's literally all they buy every single year. Well, yeah. And like the discord is always like FIFA is bad because it has like terrible business practices and everyone online will agree. But then, yeah. Then you go to the fucking FIFA subreddit and it's a bunch of people bitching about their fucking team composition or like people quitting matches or like <laughs> no one gives a fuck about the microtransactions on the fucking subreddit yeah, and it's the best-selling game all the time <laughs> and the microtransactions actually end up making like a shitload of money so if people were really against them they wouldn't be buying them all the time or if they were they'd very, be bitching about them true. more often so like a big part of last generation i definitely agree with the sentiment that third-party exclusivity deals were a big part of what pushed playstation ahead of microsoft because like there's a lot of deals that Fundamentally, Microsoft lost out on, right? Mm-hmm. Destiny, yep. for instance. Yep, that was all on PlayStation. Yeah, like all of the all of the advertising was for PlayStation. I legit thought it was a fucking PlayStation exclusive until it like came out. <laughs> 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 well, because like all of the posters even like had just the Sony fucking logo. Like it was just the PlayStation 4 logo. Well, the original Destiny didn't come to PC no. at all. No, it was just on consoles. Did they get it some kind of exclusive content as well, or was it just like the marketing? The marketing was huge for that game from Sony's side, but... On PlayStation, they might have gotten like a beta early. I think they probably got some content that was exclusive. I'm not 100% sure. And I know for... I know Call of Duty for sure. Like there was always like the 30-day early access on PlayStation, and then everyone else gets it later. That was huge as well. I remember in like the previous mm-hmm. generation of games, or consoles rather... Yeah, the Xbox. Yeah, like Xbox had a ton of fucking exclusivity with Call of Duty. I think a lot of people who played Call of Duty either like, I want to say like, kind of like, fuck, how would I word that? One hour later. There's people who played it at like what was like the beginning of like the esports scene and then people who played it like casually, but were like kind of on the fringe of that scene, if that makes sense, rather than like... That was their game that they were playing. It's like a casual end hardcore end of kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But with, like, this generation, every single esports event that I have seen, and I did look up some stuff afterwards over the past couple of days, like, every single one of the events I found for Call of Duty had PlayStation or Sony as a sponsor, and they were playing on PS4s. And then, like, even locally, Cineplex, they got fucking destroyed by that. Even before the pandemic started, they were getting destroyed, but, like, they started the thing where they were like, oh, yeah, we have, like, a gaming competition. You can win, like, $10,000. And they were playing, like, it was Call of Duty, and, like, all, all of the ads featured PS4s. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. 
and then, yeah, what you said with the exclusive content, like, or the 30-day exclusivity or whatever the fuck, like... Sometimes it was just exclusive content. I think there was, like, a mode in one of the recent Call of Duty. Yeah, wasn't it, like, was a... only on PlayStation. Like a zombie thing, I think, maybe? I don't know. I don't play Call of Duty, but I, I do know, I know what you're it talking about. It might not about. have been zombies, because I feel like that would be pushing it a little bit too far i think it was just a brand new mode okay but like i think it was in the recent modern warfare game let's see if i can see what one from is. like two years ago i, I kind of know what you're talking about but i can't Call of duty but yeah like the call of duty they had originally signed a five-year deal with microsoft in 2010 and then once that ran up they switched over to team sony and it's been like that since they were pretty quick to change that as soon as the contract was up ah this is the losing console fuck we gotta switch over to the better one yeah apparently it was zombies it's a new mode called zombie onslaught oh at least i think that's what i'm reading correctly people who are listening do not quote me on that i just there's like a (laughs) ton of articles i'm not like a computer i can't read all of this stuff at once while listening to jason but and then like another like i think big ticket item I guess two more big ticket items, rather. Star Wars Battlefront, before everyone figured out that that was just a, a vehicle for microtransactions. <laughs> yeah. Like, it was nothing but Sony branding. Sony had it even at E3 for, like, what was it? It came out in 2015, so I think it was at, I think it was actually E3 2015. They had it as part of their show. And, like, all the posters, all the fucking commercials on television showed PlayStation's logo at, like, only on PlayStation afterwards. Mm-hmm. Because, like, that was one where, like, with Star Wars games in particular, it's like, oh, yeah, well, of course they're going to advertise on TV because people will look, oh, it's Star Wars. I remember that IP. Yeah, exactly. Well, and then, like, anecdotally, <laughs> everyone who I knew who bought it, which was a lot of people, there's a lot of people at work who, like, almost never played games who were like, oh, yeah, I bought the new Star Wars game because Star Wars, I love Star Wars. And they were playing it on PlayStation. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I think the other one, did Xbox ever have the opportunity to show off fucking Red Dead Redemption? Or was that only... I feel like Sony got to... I feel like that was only Sony as well. Yeah, so that's like another big ticket item. They got the only new Rockstar game to come out in the previous set of hardware. Sony got like exclusive rights to show that game off during all of their presentations. The only games that I remember being like Xbox branded was stuff from Bethesda, which in hindsight makes a lot of fucking sense. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Oh, that was probably a deal already in the works, as I've read up since then. They've been talking for years. Yeah, exactly. It's not surprising going, oh yeah, Fallout 4 was advertised on the Xbox. More than PlayStation, yeah, that's true. Also, historically, Bethesda's stuff is run, like, of the two consoles, Mm -hmm. Bethesda's stuff has always run better on Microsoft systems rather than Sony's. On the PS3, it would always have, like, a memory leak issue. God damn it. How do you release a fucking piece of software with a memory leak issue in it commercially? God damn. I'm pretty sure that was the case on the PS3. Once it came to the PS4, they were, I think, nearly on par. You're talking about Skyrim, right? I believe it was either Skyrim or one of the Fallout games that came out at the time. I guess the only three came out on the PS3, Xbox 360. Well, New Vegas. Oh, right. New Vegas as well. I keep forgetting I that's don't, a... I don't know. I don't, I don't think New Vegas had suffered from that problem. It might have. I don't know. I feel like it I probably didn't because sure. it was built on top of the same engine, so they might have had time to figure out what the fuck the issue was from 3. You say that, but there's like issues that they took from Fallout 4 that were present in Fallout 76, but then the community had patched those out, but then they left them back in. So Yeah, that's... that's oh, <laughs> Hard man, to say. That's, yeah, I don't know. It, it might not have been there. Just like a ton of games that have fundamentally had like nothing but playstation branding on them i mean even like 
and this is probably not the greatest example, but like even in like Donkey's best of 20, 2018, 2019 video, he's like, oh, if Nintendo, or yeah, it's, it's 2018. 2017 was like Nintendo's year, then 2018 was certainly PlayStation's year to cement itself as the console for narratively driven experiences. Mm-hmm. And he shows off Red Dead as part of that. And it's like, okay, like I feel like a lot of people don't necessarily mention the fact that Red Dead is actually a, a multi-platform release because a lot of its advertising was very heavily skewed towards PlayStation. Well, it came out on yeah, PlayStation and then Xbox first. And a year later, PC. it was PC, yeah. I wonder if they're ever going to have it on par or all released at the same time. Probably not. I feel like they spend extra time on the PC port specifically to try and clean up the stuff that would be a bigger issue on PC. Especially with the online being a bigger thing, they've been trying really hard to prevent modding from working on the PC version. Because you can just mod things in, then you have no reason to buy the microtransactions. So... (laughs) Yeah, but they let you mod the single player, though. I don't exactly know how that works, but... Now, Maz did include a few notes here. We, we kind of covered some of the games that were included in here, but one of the mm-hmm. big things that Xbox had for a really long time was they had exclusive. They had an exclusive deal with EA for FIFA. I didn't know that. Well, that's because neither of us play FIFA. <laughs> <laughs> Simple answer. Yeah, well, it's, so, like, apparently with that being, like, no longer the case, there's a chance that PlayStation could come in and fucking totally eat Microsoft's lunch on that. And a lot of people might end up switching over, like, because Xbox's brand will no longer be synonymous with FIFA, right? Which is a huge loss, because, like you said earlier, FIFA's, like, one of the best-selling games. Not like one of the best-selling games. It is one of the best-selling games every single year. Yeah, especially in Europe. Yeah, where where football is much bigger than it is in North America. Mm Mm-hmm. I also like something that Maz included here, which I didn't have to look up thanks to him putting it here, but like the uh, Fortnite audience or the number of players for Fortnite that play on PlayStation is greater than both Nintendo and Xbox's player account combined, which I can totally see. I would hazard a guess that it might actually also be bigger than Nintendo, Xbox, and PC combined. I feel like a lot of children who uh, have PlayStations, Fortnite is like the fucking game, right? Best game for them to sink their teeth into, and it's free, so. Mm -hmm. Minus the Battle Pass, minus whatever other microtransactions there kind of (laughs) are. Yeah, and then like, this is like a little bit of a weird one, but like, Spider-Man was probably, is is like the big best-selling game on the fucking PlayStation 4 that was purely exclusive content. It's important to remember that like, that is a brand that exists outside of Sony's it's kind of outside of Sony's jurisdiction. The way that the branding, they came by the branding rights is really fucking weird. Mm-hmm. But they got exclusive access to an IP that they didn't they didn't create, right? But they have some amount of rights to make media of. That's kind of like another big exclusivity win for their console that like helped to push it. And then like almost everything we mentioned is something that Maz pointed out in his kind of like big blurb he sent me. But like, I feel like a lot of people do discount the amount of wind in their sails they got and momentum they got from having a bunch of third party exclusive content. Another thing I guess also to remember is that like, like having almost kind of like the exclusive or like having a lot of the marketing for Destiny, when it came out, that was the big ticket item on the PS4. Remember that like the first really big PlayStation exclusive title, like fucking Uncharted 4, didn't come out until like 20, what, 2015? I have it written down. One sec. 2016. It came out in 2016? Yeah, May 2016. Oh my god. So the console was out for like almost two years before like the first really, really, really big exclusive title launched out of Sony's first party studios. Fucking Destiny was... Fundamentally, it was like a game they were pushing really, really hard to show, like, hey, buy a PS4 because it has this game on it, right? 
It was cross-gen, though. Okay. I feel like they also pushed Metal Gear Solid Five. I can't remember that exactly, but I feel like that was also something that they kind of had a bigger push for than Microsoft did. I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure about that one. But that kind of makes sense, because Metal Gear, up until that point, was only available on PlayStation. Mm, that's true. And Metal Gear Solid Five was the first time that it was actually like a true third-party experience that everyone kind of had access to. I believe it launched day and date with PC and with Xbox. I still feel like that is probably where I got most of its advertising. Or like even, I'm just remembering now, like Crash and Spyro, weren't both of those games, like the remasters, released on PlayStation first and then they released to everything else? First for about a year. Yeah, so like Sony had those exclusively for a year and then they released on everything else. So it's like they had a ton of, uh, just an overwhelming amount of third-party support that made a number of different games kind of synonymous with their brand throughout the entirety of the last seven years, 2014 to 20, yeah, it's about seven years. Yeah. I feel like the exclusive content they had, like Uncharted, Horizon Zero Dawn, God of War, Bloodborne, I guess that would have been 2015. Yes. These are titles that were like the cherry on top, right? But like they appealed to whomever. But like I feel like the third party content that came exclusively or was advertised really heavily with PlayStation branding is definitely a bigger part of why Sony overtook Microsoft. I mean, like, and there's something to be said for, like, Microsoft fumbling the messaging of their launch, like, when they launched their console. So they're playing a huge amount of catch-up. But still, there's, there's, like, an overwhelming amount of support from third parties to Sony over the last seven years. And I think that a lot of people really do understate the value that, that comes with that. Yeah, no, I agree. So earlier... On the day of recording, I looked at um, some of the hardware comparisons. That's true. For like the PlayStation 4 versus the other consoles. So looking just at the PS4, I mean, most of the spikes are during the holiday season from sometimes September, but mostly from October to December. Which is just an insane spike. Primarily when third-party stuff releases too. (laughs) That's, yeah. So it's the holiday season, so that's when people will get it because Christmas, etc. But yeah, the third party is, is usually always there. So... I was curious and looked up a few of the PlayStation exclusives or stuff that was synonymous with PlayStation. So Infamous Second Son, it came out in March of 2014. Looking at the chart, there is a small increase in the number of PS4 sold. Yeah, I, the last of, I can see that, yeah. Yeah, The Last of Us Remastered, that came out in July of 2014. There's a much smaller so spike in that kind of general vicinity. There was also a small uh, increase in the number of PS4 sold. Bloodborne, it released in March of 2015. There was actually a decent increase in the PS4 sold. I was going to say, that's, I feel like that's a bigger spike than the, the previous spikes, but... Yes, it was. This was actually interesting. Uncharted 4, Thief's End, May 2016. There was actually no increase. Yeah, there's like no spike around there, where that hi- should it's be. A little, it's a little high. Maybe it might a little bit higher. Maybe people are prepping... For it being released but yeah uh, around the month or so window not much of an increase well, hold on actually... wasn't it delayed like just before it was supposed to launch uh i don't remember maybe that's why the bloodborne spike has like a double bump maybe because like people were expecting uncharted to come out around then and it didn't so that's why i think you are right it was delayed but i don't remember for how long i feel like it was only for a couple months but that might explain why there's almost no bump for uncharted maybe I have, like, Neo and Horizon Zero Dawn. They were February of 2017. There's a small increase. Yeah. God of War, small increase. It was released in uh, April of 2018. And then 
Marvel Spider-Man, there's a pretty good increase. That was from September of 2018, but it's also around the same time that there's the normal spike increase. Might have just been inflated a little bit more yeah. this time around. Well, what's interesting is that, you, and you can kind of see this looking at this graph, so I'm going to try and describe it to our viewers here, but like, Roller coaster. there's a lot of spikes on it, but like one of the things, <laughs> there's like a, in kind of the months in between like the spikes for the holiday season, there are like smaller spikes, but there's like a through line on each of them where kind of like the amount of hardware purchases are kind of like leveling out. What's interesting is that in 2014, like and year after year, the line moves up a little bit. And it keeps rising. I don't know if you can see that as well, Jason, but if you like look at it really mm-hmm. no, I zoomed can. in, like 2014 is kind of on the lower and then 2015 is a little and bit higher. It's, and now it, it tapers out in 2019 to 2020. Which I feel is when they kind of announced that new hardware was coming. Yeah. So that's when things kind of slowed down a little bit. But yeah, every 2014 through to 2019, that line where it's not increasing with huge spikes like just the general flow it's gradually increasing and then yeah what you said 2019 is i think around when they announced a ps5 was coming and then that kind of hardware sales start to go back the other way the only outlier being the month after covid happened in april of 2020 there's a there's an enormous spike. significant <laughs> spike but that's everyone buying it up because that's the only thing to yeah, do <laughs> so there's a spike there that's that's larger than basically every single game release that doesn't happen near a holiday I mean, it's it's bigger than the holiday season, right? Like, if you look at 2021, there's, like, no spike. Oh, well, yeah, because... Like, no one's buying it for the because of the PS5. Yeah, the PS5 was out, which is where all the fucking sales are going. Yeah, but there's, like, barely even... Like, I'm just surprised because, of like, you couldn't buy a PS5. I'm surprised people didn't just were like, okay, well, I'll just still get the PS4. There's, like... No, I feel like the fact that the new hardware is out and it's backwards compatible is, is like, completely mm, that's, destroyed that's anyone's motivation point. to get the older hardware i do forget that <laughs> it's actually backwards compatible because the fucking hardware inside of its computer hardware so yeah it's i don't that's that's fucking crazy i guess one other thing to know and this is like a side tangent it's not super related but another big reason why uh playstations have been getting bought up um there's a bit of a story with this <laughs> you're gonna say the ukraine story. yeah so <laughs> It's not the first story I've read about this, but it's certainly one of them. So, like, one of the big issues that's happened over the time of COVID, uh, cryptocurrency already kind of took off in a way, but it took off even bigger after COVID started because a ton of people were, like, out of work and cryptocurrency can just be, like, fucking mined Mm -hmm. using computer hardware. There has been an extreme shortage of the microchips and the components that are used to make GPUs and CPUs because people have been buying up GPUs en masse since cryptocurrency became a thing. Like China is a very big cryptocurrency miner. They were buying up a bunch of the GPUs they were producing so they could start mining crypto because it's worth more, or at least it's easier to get a lot of it than it is their shitty currency. So it's like a good way to get a bunch of extra money. That put a squeeze on the amount of hardware that was available. And then that naturally, when there's a squeeze on hardware, everyone's like, ooh, I got to have this hardware now because it's scarce. So that made the GPU prices and GPU stocks really fucking shitty over the last number of years. That has now extended to consoles because people have figured out how to mod consoles so they can run cryptocurrency farming on consoles because they have the same basic components and are capable of running the cryptocurrency algorithms. There's a fucking farm set up in Ukraine that was being used presumably for criminal purposes. <laughs> and it had, well, how many fucking PS4s was it? It was like 3,000 to 4,000 somewhere. 3,800 PS4s mm. were being used in this like fucking farm to mine cryptocurrency. 
well, they thought it was for mining cryptocurrency, but then it was actually for FIFA money. <laughs> That's actually funnier. Oh, you didn't read the rest no, of No, I didn't read the rest of the article. I just fucking, like, read the first little bit of it and kind of, like, laughed and moved on. Because I had, Matt sent it to me at, like, the beginning of the day. I had work to do. I'm, like, 90% sure it was... No, uh, I just I just scrolled back up and saw the, like, the bit okay. where it's like, oh, yeah, FIFA shit. And I'm like, oh, shit. So what they were doing in that was they were, um, if you play against the bots, uh, you can get the FIFA money. And then they were taking that FIFA money and then they were selling it on kind of black market something that ea doesn't want oh yeah there's like an entire economies for real world markets for selling in-game economy stuff china and wow have had that problem for gold farming for a really long time Mm. i believe they may have also done it i'm not sure if it was chinese but there was certainly a group of people who used maple story and tried to do the same thing (laughs) went back when i played maple story I i don't know if that was the koreans or if it was like the chinese again using bots to do the mining Right. And then in, like, EVE, I think, like, Russians do stuff like that. <laughs> I'd have to talk to Will about that. I think that's what I remember recalling from a conversation with him about EVE. It's, like, crazy how people will, like, pay, like, actual money for in-game money. And people will just run bot farms for in-game currency and then fucking sell it to people over, like, like you said, like a black market. Yeah. I mean, for them, it's free money long as basically yeah they don't get banned for it yeah well like all of these games have stuff in their eula about it but if you don't get caught <laughs> well yeah exactly this is crazy like almost four thousand ps4s fucking jesus christ just for fifa money yeah so that's a bit of a side tangent but so yeah fundamentally third-party support was the big thing that kind of helped sony seize last generation i guess one other point i had written down was um i know a lot of people always talk about how nintendo gets people to buy their consoles fundamentally off of their first party offerings and i don't disagree with that but when the switch first came out and it was announced that a number of third-party developers were finally going to stop ignoring nintendo <laughs> a lot of people were really excited about that i have not heard people shut the fuck up about being able to play skyrim or witcher 3 on the switch even though they both look like dog shit on the switch <laughs> yes never discount what third party support means to the fucking cavemen of the gaming population i didn't have anything else to add okay i guess the final piece of shit we want to cover before cause my cat's starting to bug me she really wants food fair enough is uh fucking the steam deck Yes, Switch Pro, as so many people have said, including yourself. Yeah, the Switch Pro finally arrived, but not in the form that people expected. It came out in a better form. (laughs) Yeah. So Steam Deck, not Steam Deck, but Steam Deck is hilarious. (laughs) It's got a similar form factor to the Switch. I believe it's a Linux-based computer that is designed to be a handheld gaming machine. There's two different models. One is like a $400 like light performance model, and the other one's like more heavy duty. And I think that was mm. around $700 US. So this thing already costs more than the Switch does. But I feel like saying the Switch costs less is a little bit of a misnomer because you have to like, most people buy a fucking $80 controller to go with it and usually buy some extended storage space. And when that happens, then your Switch is actually closer to $500 Canadian, at least. So that'd be close to $400 American. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I assume that this thing's controller is not coming off and not having a known drift issue. <laughs> Could you imagine? God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> That's one thing right out the gate the Steam Deck has going for it that the Switch doesn't. Presumably, this thing can run a bunch of games natively that the Switch can't. So that's something else. I've seen Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order being played on it, which is not on the Switch. 
it also have access to Steam's library of games, mm-hmm. which the Switch does not have. That's going to be interesting. To, like, I wonder if Steam's going to start adding stuff to their storefront that says not playable on Steam Deck. Yeah, I don't know. I have to imagine, or at the very least, like the version that might might just there might it's over time the games are not going to be playable on that because unless they've got some sort of way of upgrading it. Yeah, I feel like they might just put like a badge or an icon because they put icons and stuff on the store pages right now that show like what information the AI that runs the store has figured out about the game. So if it has like controller support, it'll put like a controller support icon. Mm-hmm. So I feel like they'll just add like a Steam Deck support thing on the page. I guess it's less risky there because if you buy it and then it, you can't play it on that because the hardware can't, it you'll get a refund. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty yeah. sure this thing uses your fucking Steam library already. So if you just have, so if you've been on Steam for, like, I think most people have been on Steam for like almost a decade now. So you have like an entire decade's worth of games provided. I think that the, I'm pretty sure this thing runs Linux out of the box. Like, it'd only be able to play games that are compatible with Linux, but, like, that's not an insignificant amount of Steam's library, at least when it comes to some of the AAA stuff. And there's even, some like, a ton of indie games that support it. It's going to be, like, the small, like, the really niche titles that are not going to run, but you could always mm. install... Like, apparently this thing is basically just, like, a, it's just like a fucking handheld PC, so you could just install Windows onto it with, like, a dual boot, or you could do, like, a fucking VM or some shit, and then just play your Windows games through that instead. And then you... You download an emulator. Yeah, and then you could run an emulator as well. You just play DS games. Yeah, exactly. And you you could download an emulator and start running a bunch of classic games. Presumably, it's less work to add the emulator to this thing than it is to crack a Switch. Cracking a Switch has, you know, people have fucking, like, shit online about how to do it. But, like, if this thing just lets you run Windows, then you can just download the fucking whatever the... I don't know what the most recent emulator program is called, but you could just download it, install it, and you'd be good to go. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's like not a big deal at all. It, it, so yeah, this thing's got a ton of capability or potentials. But but one what interesting question was like, who is this for? Yeah, I have no idea who the fuck this is for. I would never, <laughs> I would never in a million years buy this fucking thing. The only thing I could think of was like this is like an in between. So you're going from console, you're going to this mini PC or like I guess a budget PC that's portable, and then you're converted to PC, like proper. Maybe I... That's the only thing I can think of. So I have 70 friends on Steam. Ten of them have pre-purchased this thing. So one-seventh of my friends list. Every single one of them are the type of person who would buy hardware to have the hardware. They're the kind of person who <laughs> buys things. It's like Pete, right? And he did not buy one. But like it's the kind of, same kind of thing with like Pete where he's like, ooh, like this new computer part and that new computer part and this other new computer part. And it's like if he had the money, he would just buy shit to have it because he, he likes having shit. <laughs> so I get the yeah, I get the, the impression yeah. that that's the kind of person who's putting in pre-purchases for this. It's like when someone buys like Apple products over and over again. It's like I gotta have the newest iPhone. You have a perfectly good iPhone 10. No, I want the iPhone 11, bitch. Yeah, exactly. They're it's like, like a very consumerism. Why? This, this type doesn't thing. matter. I do feel like some of them might just want to play video games in their bed. Fair enough. But like, laptops, nothing. Or- yeah. But yeah, most of who have the thing there are like, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm not surprised by any, like every single one of the people who has one, I'm like, who pre-purchased one, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm not surprised by the people who I've seen pop up 
with, oh yeah, they, they pre-purchased a fucking Steam Deck. They're the type of people who would buy something like this, and then like almost never use it, but like not even think it was like a bad purchase. Mm-hmm. They're also the kind of people I would expect probably have like multiple consoles, even if there's some consoles sitting around that they just never use. Yeah, so I mean, when this thing came out, uh, it's already sold out at the time of recording, but... They're already... The pre-orders and shit are already put... Like, the delivery for them is already pushed back into, like, late next year, isn't it? Yeah, I think you're right on that, but I don't know that part off the top of my head. I just remember um, reading that eBay has kind of fucked some of the scalpers up. They cited, uh, you can't sell a product you don't have. Oh, So they're not allowing the... People to sell their fucking... Their pre-orders. Yeah. So I, I don't know if that's a policy that they've introduced since the PS5 Xbox debacle. I feel like it is. But, and I feel, but that's pretty good is, of them, yeah. yeah, to do that. Yeah, so they're fucking a bunch of scalpers up, which I have no issue with. They're not going to get their money back. <laughs> scalpers can suck my balls. They suck dick. That's like the most PG thing I could say. I wanted to say much worse, but I don't want Jason to just have to edit it out of the podcast. You want the Purge movie, but just scalpers. Yeah. That's also okay. But, like, one of the people participating in the purge is the Terminator. I'll be back. <laughs> well, I guess it's, it's an automaton. So the Terminator is the only one that has guns. I mean, the Terminator would be the only one that would win. It's like PUBG, except only one person has a gun. Oh, speaking of, this is a completely unrelated side tangent. That's perfectly fine. PUBG, they put a new skin in that completely ripped off Hypnospace. What was the full name of that game? Hypnospace Outlaw, I think is the name of the game. I don't recall either. I retweeted it this morning. So they put in a new skin called Hypnospace Diva, and it's literally like the exact same color. They use some of like the key art from Hypnospace Outlaw. Like they just fucking like wholesale stole some fucking like art from another studio. That's a thing that happened. (sighs) When will these companies learn? The internet, it's too vast. They will find this stuff out. Someone will recognize that and go, hey, wait a minute. Isn't PUBG mostly developed? Well, I guess that's not true. I don't know where it's developed out of. I know it is owned by Tencent, but... Oh, they just named it PUBG Corp. Okay, PUBG Corp. (laughs) Where are they? We're we're known for one game. They're out of South Korea. Okay, I was going to say, like... I wasn't sure if the developers were out of China, in which case they wouldn't care if they ripped somebody off because China doesn't give a fuck about anyone else's intellectual property laws except for their own. Mm-hmm. That was very shitty. Indeed. But yeah, Steam Deck. I don't know who this fucking thing is for. I expect it to receive about as much support from Valve as all of their other ventures in the hardware have received, which is almost none. <laughs> this is a company that's put out like a piece of hardware or some kind of hardware-related thing like every year and a half over the last like seven or eight years and has supported almost none of them for any amount of time. It's like Google and Stadia and their Google glasses and all that other shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like this, like the only thing they put out that they kind of supported was the HTC Vive, but they put out like two pieces of software for it and then like haven't really done anything else. And then there was like the fucking, what else did they, the Steam machines? You remember Steam machines? No. Yeah, neither does anyone else, because Valve didn't bother supporting that worth of shit. That was a fucking huge disaster. That did come with the release of the Steam, or the Valve, like, altered version of Linux. I I don't, I think it's just called Steam OS. That was at least, like, another thing, like, just basic bitch Ubuntu that people could run if they wanted to use a Linux machine. (laughs) Although most people who use Linux don't use basic Linux, because people who use Linux are insane. That's not an insult, people who use Linux. That's a compliment. Yeah, no, I've had to use Linux before in another job. 
as someone who didn't know what the hell he was doing, that was that was rough. Yeah, but like the people who choose to use Linux on their personal computers, like it takes a special kind of person to use Linux on their personal computer because it's like that kind of they have to just deal with everything that like Linux is not going to do for you. <laughs> yeah, could go wrong, will go wrong. Yeah, exactly. You don't fuck with people who willingly choose to subjugate themselves to Linux. That's just an interview question. <laughs> what platform do you associate with? Yeah. Windows, Mac, Linux. And if they do Linux, you're just like, oh. Oh, boy. Okay. We got a power user here. Fucking Steam Link. Do you remember Steam Link? Uh, vaguely. Yeah, that was a thing that they kind of fucking sharded out, and they eventually were like giving them away at the end of that product's life cycle. There's something else that they did, and I cannot remember what it is, but I'm sure if I... Is it in the shitpost one? Give me a second here. Was there like a controller of some sort that they had? Oh, yeah, that's the one. I think that's what I was thinking of. I don't remember what it's called. I just... Did it even have a name? I don't know. Well, they put out that con- that weird-looking controller, and that didn't receive a whole ton of support, and that thing... I think it was only available from like manufacturers for like a year before they got rid of it. Maybe Maybe two years. I think it might have just been called, like, the Steam Controller or some shit. Let me see if it has a, a name from Google. Steam Controller? Steam Controller. That is literally what it's called. Okay. Yeah, that came out in 2015, and it was discontinued so in 2019. Of course it was. But yeah, that was another thing that didn't receive a whole lot of support and didn't sell a whole, like, really well. This is a company that historically has not supported their hardware endeavors really well and i don't think this will be supported super well either based on past behavior you'll get maybe like a good year or two and then some people will be like i love this thing kind of like the ps vita and then it'll just like stop being produced and there'll be a bunch of people who are like this is the greatest thing that ever existed and everyone else will just be like using it for years yeah exactly and everyone else will just be really confused and you bring it up 10 years from now, they'll be like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. It's this thing. It's this artifact. Yeah. Also, do you remember artifact? Sorry, oh, is there a thing? Card game. Oh, oh yeah. Fuck. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> they dropped that quick. So the big problem with that, side tangent for a second, into artifact. Fucking the big problem with that is it was developed by the Magic the Gathering guy. And I despise that guy. <laughs> he just like put out a fucking he's done this a few times now he's people have contracted him to like work on the design of their card games and every single time without fail he always designs them like their physical card games even though they're digital card games and then they just end up being like mm. not as good as games that were designed around being digital card games it's so, like one of the big mm-hmm. things with artifact is that you had to fucking buy packs even though it's a digital card yes. game yeah, yeah and he's yeah. like well, people in Magic Together and just fucking, they just buy packs. It's like, that's because it's a physical card game, you stupid dickhead. No one's going to do that. <laughs> like, Hearthstone exists, and it's free, and you can play it for free and get packs. Like, you're competing with that. I'm sorry, you're One not competing few, with yeah. Magic the Gathering. You're competing with Hearthstone, you fucking dingus. Yeah, it, that game died out pretty damn quickly because of uh, bad decisions. But one of the last few hurrahs that it had was that uh, on Twitch, it was the game to play if you wanted to watch pirated content or like porn of some sort. What the hell? For so some strange reason, it was like a Twitch haven. The mods weren't doing anything. Like You could watch like Avengers, like the latest Avengers that was in People the movies. People were just putting whatever and, in that category? Yeah, they just have like artifact... And the name, but then, like, the movie would be playing there. What the Instead, hell? I'll link that to you later. It was pretty damn funny. But yeah, I guess just side tangent for anyone who's curious. The other reason why I really don't like that guy is because he believes that having 
cards in a card game that serve no purpose is great because it's used a gr- it's a learning opportunity for new players and i just think that's fucking stupid what so, yeah so like the idea is that you put in a bunch <laughs> so if you have like a base set of cards and it's like 60 cards in it you make like 10 of them completely unviable because it's a learning opportunity for new players because <laughs> they'll be like "Ooh, this card's really cool but oh no this card's actually garbage so you should never use it and like that's the whole point of that card from a design perspective is to just be shit so that players can learn that they're shit cards it's not even like a, we just want more money by having more cards in this deck. That's the other thing. Is like because it's well, a physical card yeah. game. It's like oh, we can pad out the packs with these shitty cards that no one wants. Yeah, I was thinking that was more the reason than. I mean, I guess maybe he's using that as an excuse. That's absolutely the reason, but like he's extended it into like the digital card space where he's like, oh yeah, there needs to be like cards in your game that are just like completely fucking useless. <laughs> and I'm like, you are such a fucking like bucket of cow shit. Like I just cannot. From a design perspective, that's like a completely useless design methodology. I don't agree with that at all. I think it's a, I think that line of thinking is completely worthless. That is hilarious. If you make a card game, <laughs> I think every card should have a purpose. Otherwise, it shouldn't be there. But yeah, the guy who made... Uh, I want to say his... It's like Garfield or something. What's the Magic the Gathering creator's name? Richard Garfield. I was going to say Andrew Garfield, but I knew that was wrong. Richard Garfield. I don't like that guy. I think he's a, I think he's a dipshit. And hates Mondays. Anyway. Yeah. Loves lasagna and hates Mondays. It's time for adventure! Huzzah! Did I send that to you? I don't think so. Oh, it's like starting your first RPG and the guy like, This dungeon cannot contain me! I yearn for adventure! Huzzah! Dungeon no. rat, I will kill you! Huzzah! Okay, like le- level one rat. Okay, fair enough. Uh, No, the only thing that you s- sent me this week was the Eeyore oh. poo meme. That is pretty fucking that funny. That shit's fucking hilarious. The real Eeyore wouldn't want to live. Yeah. <laughs> Are we leaving this in? Okay, so like for context, the comic's called The Clone Dilemma, and Pooh's holding a gun and there's two Eeyores. And it's like, wow, wow, wow. Which Eeyore is the real Eeyore? And then one of them is like all depressed and disheveled looking, and one of them is panicking. And the panicking one points at the disheveled one and says, shoot him. Shoot him. He's the clone. <laughs> I'm the real Eeyore. And then Pooh shoots the one who's all panicky who said to shoot the other one. And then in the final panel, it says, The real ER would never pass up a chance to die. It's <laughs> 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 the fucking funniest shit I've ever read. <laughs> it's true to his character. It really oh, is. Pooh having a gun. It's just, it's very funny. But yeah, so like, it's like playing your first RPG. And so the guy like breaks out of jail, is all excited about it. And then he kills an, a rat and he's all excited about it. And he finds like this ghoul at the front of the prison and he kills the ghoul. And then he runs to the first town and he's like, did you guys have any quests? And they're like, no, everything's pretty good here. But have you seen the town rat? And he's like, what? He's like, the town rat. And he like looks at a poster and he's like, oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, the town rat's <laughs> <Gotcha>. dead. <laughs> he's like, oh God, what happened to him? And he's like, he just, he gets murdered by someone. And then the guy starts, like, crying. He's like, oh, that's such a shame. Well, you can tell my son that he can come home now. There's uh, no sense having him look for the rat if the rat's dead. It's like, oh, okay, cool. What's your son look like? He's like, oh, you know, kind of like me. Bit of a hunchback. He's got a skin condition. He looks a little <laughs> ghoulish. And the guy's like... <laughs> that's terrible. Yeah, we do want to get into the games we've been playing this week. Hopefully there's no RPGs in that. There are RPGs in this. What? I didn't play any. What the fuck did you... I already forgot what you played. Jesus Christ, man. I don't know. Oh, dear. No, no, no. (laughs) Did you not even read my fucking list? (laughs) Oh, God, there's two of them. Uh, And they're both JRPGs. Your favorite. 
Okay, well, we're four and four. Although, you do have one that is overlapping, so what do you want to start with? Who do you want to go first? I guess I'll start. Let's start with the first one that you're pissed off about. Nino Kuni 2. Ooh, you whore. Don't call me a whore. I'll edit that out, bitch. I'll edit that out. Alright, I won't. So I got the DLC this time, so I replayed the main campaign for that. It still holds up pretty well. Unlike its predecessor, this is much more action RPG focused. I was going to say, the first one's like turn-based, right? And this one's more of like... Quasi-turn-based. You've got, like, you can pause the real-time battle, but, like, you can have the minion, essentially the monsters that you've tamed, like, fighting in real-time. But then you can pause and be like, oh, I'm going to heal, or oh, I'm going to use this spell, or oh, this monster's going to use a special ability. So basically, anytime you need to go through the menu, you can just fucking pause the game. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Or you could fight the whole fight, like, just real-time, let the monsters fight it out. So that doesn't usually work for bosses or anything like that. But this one, it's all just action real time. Every character is fighting in real time. I enjoy the combat in this one. It does get a little tough near the end just because the, the monsters are stronger and um, you have to kind of rely on the kingdom building mechanic in order to get like bonuses and stuff or be able to make like equipment that is better. Now the kingdom part, that's kind of tedious but they actually made it a little bit easier to like build up the kingdom quicker at least in the early game so i played this originally on version 1.0.1 back when it got released and now it's on version 4 because oh okay so it's like tons got of released changes and stuff from when you played it yeah there's some, tons of changes that they played it most of the dlc is actually locked to like you've played the game you can still play it but it's mostly end game like most of the quests are like, be level 70, and I'm like, okay, the DLC didn't kind of factor in. Maybe I started this shit a little bit earlier. Yeah, okay. I was curious, because I wanted to like replay it and see what would happen, and eventually I got to the point where I was like, okay, I'm just going to load up my main save that's got everything done, the town's fully built, I'm just going to see how that goes with like doing the dlc and that so that's like where i've started that 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 account had like my characters at like level 80 though they increased the cap from 100 to 120 with the first big dlc then 150 for the next one that's a lot (laughs) yeah no kidding and a lot of those quests are like oh be like level 99 i'm like oh for fuck's sakes so what you're saying is you had to grind a lot i will have to grind a lot i i because i replayed the original game from like the beginning because that's actually decently well paced i didn't have to do any serious grinding other than for a little bit of money for the kingdom which i just like left the console on and then just accumulated the money over time like i made lunch or something like that and it was like oh i have tons of money now to build up the place side tangent for a second that reminds me of with how long some triple a game credits are i usually get up and like make a fucking sandwich whenever they're running no kidding. Oh, it's the Japanese department, the German department, the French department. You're like, okay, well. <laughs> Fucking ass picking department. The HR department that doesn't do their job, which is why sexual harassment keeps happening. Anyway. So this game wasn't actually made with Studio Ghibli. I was going to say, the art style looks like The art style like is it. kind of the Yeah. Yeah. But it's not the same, and they didn't work with them, so it doesn't have the same magic. The characters are still fine. One thing that this game does really well, though, I will say, is the side quests, which is surprising. Because in JRPGs, it's usually like, uh, you know, it's a grindy one, usually. 
Whereas, like, in the Western ones, usually the side quests are, like, the thing that people always say is, like, really great and not the main story. It's, it's weird how there's that flip <laughs> between... <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. It's 100%. Like, people are always like, oh, the main story in JRPGs is always, like, really good. I disagree. And then people yeah. <laughs> for Western RPGs is like always the side quest are really good, and I, I generally agree with that. I think that the few RPGs that I really really enjoyed usually tend to have like an okay story, and then like really good side quests. So like mo- the majority of your time is spent on really good quests that all like kind of tie into the main story. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like my biggest problem with just RPGs is that like a lot of the time I feel like the the side content is really disconnected from the main story. Most of the ones I enjoy tend to feel like you kind of flow really organically from like the main story back into the side content, back into the main story. But so like the side missions in this are, are like really good then. Yeah, well, they have really good rewards. So there's some that are just like, oh, like here's here's an item you'll get or there or actually it'll be always an item. But um, there would be like the king's dollars. So the king's dollars are what you could use to build out your town quicker Okay. Or the best part is that you usually will find a character who's been, like a side character, who's been crafted to look unique in the world. Um, so they don't look say. like a, a generic person. They actually look like they're their own thing. Okay. Yeah. So you get like lots of these towns members that if you do a side quest for them, they'll join your city and you'll be able to use them in one of the various buildings that you'll build in the town. So like, oh yeah, you can have them building equipment, you could have them getting mining resources, etc. Is this kind of like Yakuza? Um, where you like, no. well, like some of the times when you, you did a, like a, a, oh, I see a side you quest, you'd get like the person as a, as an employee for Ichiban's confections. In that sense, kind of. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They'll each have like their specialization. Yeah. And then they can go and like, you can use them in that build that building. And if you get that building up high enough, like with the, the skill level, you can get bonuses that are either this building can now make better equipment your teammates are going to get more experience for the fights. Enemies drop more gold, etc., etc. The town building I really like, and then the I was gonna say, it sounds like there's a lot of tangible benefits to actually spending the time mm-hmm. building your town out instead of usually just being like, oh, just to try and get money. This is more to build out your town. There are parts in the game where I think the main story kind of forces you to have certain buildings, and those certain buildings are locked behind having your kingdom at a certain level so you would have to kind of grind for a bit of those side quests but okay getting the rewards of the extra townsfolks are it adds a lot more to it than i think other jrpg side quests usually do where it's just like money and a, and a resource or a weapon or, or a piece of armor or whatever yeah it feels more like the side content is actually connected to the main story because you have to keep your yeah. town growing as part of the main story it's nice to like build yeah build up the town and then just get these unique looking characters that you learn a little bit a tiny little bit about their backstory not a huge amount there's not enough time for like the hundred or so i think there's like a hundred or so of them that you can recruit holy shit but yeah so you haven't really gotten to any of the dlc yet then have you not a whole lot the dlc part that i did get to they're um trying to tie the first game to the second game i don't really know why I think it would just make more sense if they were just like, this is Final Fantasy-like, and just be like, separate world, same themes, 
Because fucking people like continuity for some reason. Final Fantasy is one of the few things that's just like, nah, fuck that, I'm doing something unique. Yeah, well, it's just when you don't constrain yourself with continuity, you can kind of be like, oh, this is like the same world, maybe at a different point. Fresh start. Or in a different like part of history or whatever, but it's like, you get more freedom in what you can do. Anyway, I won't bore you anymore with JRPGs for now. What's on your list? I'm going to start off with uh, Resi 7. Jason, I believe on the podcast, said that he wanted me to play Resident Evil 7. And I did buy it in the Steam sale. And we played it together this past weekend. So I was driving, mm-hmm. and he, he had a, we used Discord. He just, like, I streamed it through Discord to him. So this is the first time I've ever played a Resident Evil game. I can safely <laughs> say that Resident Evil is not a franchise for me, but I still enjoyed playing it with Jason. I don't think I would have enjoyed it if I'd played it by no, myself. No, there were times where you were very frustrated. Yeah, well, it's just like a bunch of stupid fucking dog shit in this game <laughs> but oh especially by the end i would have just fucking like not even i would have probably just stopped playing the game the ending last third is um yeah so that's like the yeah. kind of like the biggest sticking point for me with the game it's like fine paced for most of the experience but the last third of the game is so fucking unnecessary and it feels a lot like padding it's used primary i guess spoilers for resident evil 7 biohazard if you haven't played it we're going to note it in the thing. So if you're at this point, you've probably already seen the spoiler warning. But yeah, so like the last third of the game is used to tie together the story. But like the story could have quite literally just been like evil corporations just dumped chemicals in the water. That would have been fine. Like they try to fucking over explain it. We're like, oh, this like demon child has like fucking is designed as a bioweapon and mind controlled people. And it's, oh my fucking God, this is even stupid by this game standard. Like... <laughs> I, I yeah. mean, like, the first bit where you're on, like, the ship as Mia is fine-ish. I thought it's that was fine, yeah. still, like, kind of in the same vein. I didn't like the setting as much as when you're running around the various different parts in the Baker household. Yeah, using the outdoor part as the hub. Almost. Yeah, but the part where it's like, okay, you're back in Ethan's shoes, and this is the final bit of the game, so you have a bunch of ammunition, and it's you're basically just, it, it becomes hallways of shooting zombies. And frankly, the shooting isn't fun enough for that to be fun for the almost hour long it takes to get through that entire section of the game. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the final boss might as well have been a fucking QTE. Yeah, really, what? yeah. It's so bad. The final boss is the really the last one that you fight in the Baker's thing. Yeah, Which, I agree. When Jack comes back as like a giant fucking like lizard monster. That's, that's terrifying. Yeah, that scared the shit out to... of me. Holy fuck. <laughs> but like, that's a really, I thought that was a really well-designed fight. It's probably one of my favorite fights in the game, actually. Mm-hmm. No, it makes sense. It's very clear. I didn't. I just had to ask you one simple thing. Do you know what to shoot? And you're like, yes. Yeah, I see. <laughs> this guy's got, like, giant eyeballs on him. That's what I gotta do. Correct. The game does a great job of just showing you 100% what you're supposed to go for. Yeah, the only fight where I was, like, kind of confused about what I had to do <laughs> was the the first, or no, second fight against Jack. I was gonna say the first fight against Jack. The first fight against Jack is where you're running around and then you get in the car and you run him over. The second fight where you have to use the dummies and the chainsaw. I was like kind of confused. I started like shooting them and you're like, what did you do before you came in here? I'm like, oh, the bodies. <laughs> and then I started hitting them with the bodies. But I found those really obnoxious and hard to aim. Yeah. So that, that no, fight was not my favorite. Bad, but it's kind of like, okay, like I see what they did from a level design perspective. I was just too stupid to realize that like the game was teaching me. Honestly, you will probably have had more fun playing that part if you had died and then restarted. Maybe. I don't think you died at that point. No. Almost. I, I almost died a, a lot of times. 
You died actually less times than I did on my first playthrough, but well, again, you... I was playing by myself. Yeah, I was going to say, you were coaching me the entire time. There are shotgun bullets in this part. You're like, how the fuck do you know this? Yeah. Well, like, <laughs> I died to the jack fight in, like, the final little bit where you have to just, like, shoot him a couple of times. It's kind of like a QTE mm. um, because I, I wasn't, like... Yeah, that wasn't... It just, like, wasn't... Yeah. My brain was, like, not tuned into, like, oh, this is, like, basically a QTE. And then in the final boss, that thing is basically a QTE, and I just didn't, like, do enough damage to pass a damage check. So it, like, just fucking yeah, killed me. Was... And I was like, okay, whatever. Not much you could do about that. It just ate you. No, I did think it was funny how, like, really, really early on, I, I jokingly <laughs> said, like, oh, if it's grandma, then I'm gonna... Every time you said that, I just hushed up. I thought you were... Yeah, I'm get, surprised that you meant... Because I said that shit, like, so many times throughout the playthrough, and then at the end, it was, like, fucking... It, it was grandma all along! And I was like, oh, shit, I was right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I kept that one a surprise. I was just like, yeah, I'm not gonna say anything. Yeah, I thought that was... Either I, he'll was... get the hint, or he won't get the hint. <laughs> no, I, I was completely... I was a fucking a complete monkey about that. I didn't realize that you were not saying... I just kept joking about it. You just kept, like, <laughs> laughing along with me. I was like, oh, it's gonna be like grandma. Oh. And, like, you fucking keeps finding her at, like, random intervals in the house. I'm like, oh, grandma, hi! It's, it's your special boy! It's Ethan! <laughs> It is pretty funny. She's not a the an, an antagonist at that point, so... Can you shoot her? No. Oh, okay. So you can't, like, shoot her and have her, like, kill you or whatever early on in the game? No, I don't think so. I guess she's invincible, though, technically, because she only, like, dies because you put the fucking antidote into her. Yeah, we gave her the vaccine. Yeah, we gave her the COVID vaccine and she died. Oh, no. It's actually a good thing that we weren't playing that on the stream because we said a ton of in, between the two of us, we said a ton of inappropriate shit the entire time we were playing it. I found kind of like at first it was like a little annoying to try and get her own jack, but I kind of got like a, a little bit better of a feel for it. I feel like by the time I got to Marguerite section, I had a much easier time kind of like understanding how I could move around these. Well, she's she's rather simple to yeah. get around anyway. Her she has like one roaming path yeah although she went in rooms that you weren't expecting which fucking freaked you out so (laughs) i was just taking everything as it went that was like finish there's like some good spooky bits the parts that were a little bit more actiony focused i felt like a lot of them like the boss fights were kind of like they were fine they're just like i didn't like the clunky controls although like the boss fights are designed around them i just found them kind of irritating Mm -hmm. and then like that made the whole like last hour of the game where it's just a shooting gallery really annoying because i was like oh man this is like actually some of the worst first-person shooting I've ever played. But that's, like, not the game's strong suit, so I don't know why. I guess it's kind of supposed to be, like, a cathartic, like, ah, after, like, being run down by these zombies all game, now you get to blow their fucking heads off. But I don't know, I didn't find it that cathartic to do. I was just like, ah, can we be done with this already? Yeah, no, I get get where you're talking. I still see why, like, people would like it. I think for me, like, I'm a, I'm more into, like, horror horror, like, cerebral horror, like, the kind of shit where, you're like, once you get up from the playing the game, you're gonna think about that shit until, like, 3am and stare up at the ceiling and, like, because, <laughs> like, for me, like, Danganronpa, like, the first game, when you think about the implications of the themes and, like, what some of the subject matter that game covers, it's like, man, that's actually, like, really disturbing. That's the kind of stuff that really gets me. Mm. But, like, with this, it's like, oh, it's zombies. I'm like, oh, that's, you know, it's kind of scary when one of them, like, jumps out of the fucking wall at you for all of, like, the <laughs> ten seconds it takes for you to pull out your gun and shoot its head off. Speaking of, I had some moments of, like, just dumbass brilliance with shooting the fucking gun. Like, so, some of those kills that I got where I just, like, I pulled the trigger once, got the headshot, and fucking killed them with a shotgun. It's yes. like, 
that was just like dumb luck. I just had like the gun like kind of aimed. I'm like, I guess if I time this correctly, it might work. And then it, yeah, I just happened to like blow their heads off as they were attacking me. Yeah, you got lucky in some part. Like I, I think I already said this, but I, I feel like it was more fun because I was playing it with you. And we were just kind of like making fun of how stupid the game was the entire time. Well, that's what I, Sarah and I did. Okay. When we were playing it. So we were kind of just shooting the shit. I don't know if Miranda would be up for doing something like that in the future if I played through another one, but I don't know if I'm, I would want to play through another one, so... If you would ever do that, i just recommend Easy. Yeah, just the e- combat. Easy does make it really straightforward. There's a few things, but, like, Jack's slower, so that fight in the basement's going to be a lot easier to deal with. Instead he of, takes, like, fumbling around. less damage. You'll have lots of extra ammo. You can just make fun of the story. I shit. had extra ammo... In our playthrough, although I think you pointed out, like, every single fucking ammo drop, so I had so much goddamn ammo by the end of the game. Holy fuck. You had very little after the Marguerite fight, though, for terms of shotgun shells. Oh, yeah, I blew through, like, like, just about all of my shotgun. You started with, like, 30, and you had two at the end. I was like, yeah, no, that's supposed to happen. Yeah, well, I guess that's one thing that I think the game does really, really, really well is it's really well paced in terms of like, there'll be a moment where it's like really tense and then it eases off. And then there's like another moment where it's really tense and then it eases off again. So it's like really good at like squeezing you for a bit and then letting you go. I feel like the game had a really good sense of that. It ended up being like really, really, really well paced. And I feel like that's to the game's advantage. Like I said, aside from the last bit where you're just shooting like the zombies in a shooting gallery. But like... Mm -hmm. Everything before that had, like, a really good, like, up and down cycle of, like, tension and release, tension, release. If you're into, like, fucking survival horror, like, this, that is peak survival horror. Mm-hmm. I had linked you that um, YouTube video, but um, when... It wasn't really the developer, per se, but there was a presentation about Resident Evil at the GDC. They were talking in that interview about... Uh, how they wanted to make sure that there was a good balance of um, tension relieving and then like the the tension coming back. So like the fights and then you have a moment to gather resources and stuff like that, like a period, and then go back and forth. They really want to focus on having that be really good. Yeah, no, every after every like single boss fight, there's like a moment where like for the next like I want to say about five to ten minutes, you will encounter nothing and you will find ammo. So it's like you always have those like do the fight and then it's like oh shit and then after you finish the fight then there's like a moment where you're just like the game doesn't throw anything at you aside from more ammo and you're like oh, i have ammo now and you kind of like get your confidence back you get your footing back and then you're like okay i'm ready to go again and then the game starts throwing more shit at you again so it's like it's very good at doing that yep 100 percent agree unlike yakuza like a dragon i don't have any qualms if this still ends up being like one of your best games of the year <laughs> at the end of the year <laughs> fair enough it wasn't my favorite game, but it's still, like, I think it's a pretty alright game in hindsight. Like I said, the last hour especially, like, really kind of pissed in my Cheerios. But when I think about the entire experience, I'm like, yeah, but, like, the rest of it was pretty good. Is it on to me? Yeah, it's on to you. So I played Resident Evil 7 to start, 4 next, and then I picked up 5. 5 was a mistake to pick. Okay. <laughs> Is 5 the <laughs> one with the fucking bathtub scene that's from a porno? Or is that 6? I don't fucking know what you're talking about. One of the characters is in a bathtub. The, one of the Backstreet Boys is in a bathtub. I think it's Leon. And then one of the this female... This one doesn't have Leon in it, so oh, it must okay. have been six. I don't know if Resident Evil did it first or if Porn did it first, but they've <laughs> one of the others stole it from the other. I think Leon's in the bathtub, and then one of the ladies comes by and it's like, oh, it doesn't appear that you have a, a lifeguard for this beach. And Leon just replies back, 
This isn't this a, isn't beach. a beach. This, this is, is a, a bathtub. bathtub. Yeah. yeah, that shit makes me laugh every single time I see it. The delivery uh, is so funny. I don't fucking know where that's actually from. Who the true source is. But like... But yeah, no, I know what you mean now. I thought I was like, what bathtub or scene are you fucking talking about? Jesus. That, like 100% of the time that shit makes me laugh. But yeah, so Resident Evil 5. What's Resident Evil 5 like? <laughs> The Resident Evil 5, it's set, set in Africa. Oh, this is the racist one. This is the one that everyone says is racist, yes. Where you just shoot black zombies the entire game. The mocap person, I think the the, the voice of um, Sheva, your um, other co-op partner for this, she was like, it wouldn't make sense if uh, you weren't shooting these people who weren't from Africa in this game in Africa. <laughs> That's, I agree 100% with that, but... I, I don't know. Just mm-hmm. no, I know what you're. There's like yeah. an entire case for like not having something like that happen, especially when it's like the U.S. is a very big market for this game. Mm-hmm. No, I I, I understand what you mean. Yeah, there's there's a, the whole issue with like oh yeah, like fucking police brutality and and that's even now like still a huge issue. Yes. I just think that when Capcom was making this game, I don't think... Oh, they 100% was... didn't think about this before putting no, doing this as a game. They're like, oh, yeah, of course, people, if there were zombies in Africa, they'd be, you know, yeah, zombies made from I, people in it Africa. Does not, it does not feel like there's any agenda here. No, okay, yeah. Anything so. like that. It's just what they decided on and how people responded to it. I, I think that's kind of how it is. But anyway, we'll get into the actual game, not the, not the discourse about it. So it's a co-op experience, a survival co-op experience. Did and you play course, it with that's Sarah? Where, like, God, no, I couldn't <laughs> do that with her. No, she... <laughs> I love how quick you were to say no to that. <laughs> she has difficulty aiming and then moving the character. It would not be fun. Anyway, so I'm just playing with the AI on normal just to see how that is. So far, it's okay. The AI, for the most part, does reasonable things, but one of the things that's a problem is the inventory management. Now, you thought probably in 7, the inventory management was kind of ass, like having to go back sometimes. Yeah, it wasn't my favorite. I think that there was a, more than a few times where I ran back to the safe room to kind of finagle my inventory until I got the <laughs> yeah. backpack upgrades. Once I had those, it was a little bit better, but yeah, it's a little bit annoying to get that first backpack upgrade in the swampy area. Yeah. So in this one, each character only has nine spots, and apparently that's it for the whole game. Wait, it's like nine of those squares? Nine of those squares. Do the guns um, still use up two? No, the shotgun doesn't use up two. It uses okay. up one. But you're constantly given stuff, and you don't have like enough space between the two of you to organize all this, and it's a pain in the ass in, with the AI, because let's say if you have... So this is in classic Resident Evil would be the green and red herb. I can't go into Shiva's inventory and combine those. I have to grab both of them, then combine them myself. So there's no system in place to tell her to combine them together. It's really annoying. So that's a big oversight. But just how much stuff you're given, there's I'm always like struggling to have enough space. Usually I want to have like those extra healing items that are free, but it's just not feasible with how I got my character set up. So, I mean, ideally, I guess you bring two guns instead of the three that I've got with the different ammos, because those different ammos each take up one inventory slot, so I've already lost six of the nine spots. And yeah, maybe some of those can be used for like one healing item and then some grenades. 
it's tough in that sense for the inventory management. I think it should have been expanded out a little bit more to make that easier. I mean, obviously, with a co-op partner, it would probably be a bit more straightforward. But so I you'd think have 18 that slots that way between them. You still only have the 18. You can still offshore shit to her with her nine inventory slots, but like it's the shared 18, regardless of whether you have an AI companion or not. Oh, okay. Or another human being, so... I think the game is actually balanced in a, in a sense that uh, if you're playing with the AI companion, it's they don't target her as, as much. I think that based on some of the times where I'm like, oh, she should have definitely been hit because she's standing right in the middle of the enemies. But good, because I would be probably more frustrated if she was constantly getting hit by enemies. Yeah. Well, it's like the big kind of problem with any game that has a co-op partner, especially if you can't control them. It's like, oh, it's mm -hmm. like this character just keeps taking damage and dying. This sucks. Well, you can say, like, come on. Like, there's a button for, like, follow me that's a little bit better. Or, like, take this item. So there is kind of like a ping system almost. But it's, it's okay. I will note one thing. If there's just an item that's going to be money, she will break the crates and just go gather the money for me. So that's actually kind of nice. Oh, neat. If she's got ammo of that type already, she'll pick that up automatically without me saying anything, unless I find it, and then I'm just like, pick that up. You need more machine gun ammo, for the love of God. So, so the AI is okay. I got to a point where the AI, unfortunately, couldn't hold on for one extra second. I guess she got hit, and uh, she plummeted me to my doom in a pit, so I left off there. That was kind of frustrating. It's also frustrating because... I came to the conclusion after fighting for like five minutes of, oh, these guys are not going to die. Okay, well, fuck. I should uh, just try and use this drawbridge and hope this works, and it didn't. And then I kind of got frustrated <laughs> with that. We'll see if I get through the rest of it. I might just turn on um, anyone can join and just play with someone else online, see how that goes. For all I know, I'm going to play with like a veteran <laughs> Resident Evil 5 player <laughs> They're going to be mad at me. For being a fucking noob? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Was this your first time? Yes. I feel like that changes very dramatically based on the game that you're playing, but yeah. This isn't like new, right? So I feel like the people who are playing it would be like a little bit more forgiving of it if somebody is like completely new playing it, but... Who knows? It just with my experience playing like indie games online with smaller communities, I feel like the people in those are always like... They want to like bring people in instead of having them feel ostracized or whatever so it's like oh whenever there's like a new player like oh let me teach you instead of oh you fucking suck get out of here yeah and i yeah you've mentioned that before with yeah. herds and stuff like that i found that with like fancy strike i found that with herds i found that with deep rock galactic some people are like that like as it got bigger and more popular with vermintide 2 i feel like that's like in vermintide it was like a lot better and in vermintide 2 i feel like people because it got bigger then Vermintide, I feel like it hit the point where it started attracting more people who were going to act like assholes. When a game is still kind of like niche, I feel like people are more willing to help out the community. And when, when it gets like bigger, that's when you get people who become like complete fucking chodes about everything. <laughs> I, I get what you mean. Not much else to say about Resident Evil 5. Thought it wasn't going to be like you could still move around while shooting, but it's also the same as Resident Evil 4 where you have to stop and then shoot. Mm. So it's still balanced in certain terms, even with like because there's it's co-op, there's more enemies than Resident Evil 4's campaign uh, had. So Yeah. What's next for you? 
so I played Sir Lovelot. It's a precision platformer, and it's part of why I went back on Twitter and complained about developers not including the controls in their game in their games when they're on PC. <laughs> so yes. I started playing this. It's got like four zones, and I think they're about ten levels per zone. Uh, I started playing, and I got through like the first seven levels doing nothing but jumping. It turns out the game has a double jump, a dash, and an ability for you to attack. What a twist! And I didn't know that. So, like, I got through the first seven <laughs> levels. They're hard as shit if you do not attack. Going for a challenge run. Yeah, basically. There was just, like, enemies. And there was, like, <laughs> the way the hitboxes worked, there was this one enemy where you should not be able to get past it without killing it. But because of the way the hitboxes work, you can, like, just squeeze by it. But the jump was, like, borderline impossible for me to make. Still did. There was a later, like, a level right after is actually impossible to do without killing enemies. But, like, at this point, the game assumes that you figured out you can attack stuff, but I hadn't because... The game didn't explain it. Well, I was playing on keyboard, so I was, like, I was using the arrow keys in space. I didn't try any of the actual, like, fucking other keys because I just assumed that, like, oh, this is, like, a platforming game. I just assume I can jump. So did this game not have, like, any sort of tutorial? No. The developers oh, expected you to plug a controller in, press all the buttons, and figure out what you could do based on pressing the buttons. That's just that's silly, regardless of whether you're playing on keyboard or controller. Yeah, in my opinion, there's the first level. All you have to do is introduce like you just have like a signpost that has the button that you're supposed to press. Yeah, it is. You just walk you past it or whatever. That. That, it's yeah, that's a simple thing. Like oh, this is the jump button. Yeah, like space bar or whatever. One of the other things I thought was really fucking stupid was that, like, until I accidentally pressed the jump button again while I was in the air, till that point, I didn't even know I had a double jump. And I learned later that there's, like, a dash. You can do, like, a second jump or you can do a dash after you've done a jump. You can't do both. You can only, It's an either or. But it's, like, one of those things where it's, like, good God, I could have gone through this entire game without figuring out there was a fucking dash on the jump. Because the game just never told you that there was. It's just like once I found out that I could attack, I started hitting all of the keys in the keyboard to see if anything different would happen. <laughs> I figured out you could dash in the water. So then when I figured out you could dash in the water, I was like, how do I dash out of the water? And that's when I figured out that you could dash after a jump. But yeah, it was like more than halfway through the game before I discovered that you could, what all of the game's controls were. So yeah, I thought that was really <laughs> fucking stupid. Did the gameplay develop at all over time? Or was that like what... What you had at the beginning, that was it. Each zone introduces, like, some new challenges. So, like, the first zone is mostly, it gets, like, one set of enemies. And then the second zone introduces, like, a couple of water-based enemies and also water. And then the third zone introduces a couple more enemies and a few more hazards that will get in your way. The one that I hated the most came from that zone. It was, like, a skeleton that popped out of the ground. But there's no indication that the skeleton's going to pop out of the ground until it happens. So this <laughs> fucker just comes out of the what? ground, and you have, like, half a second to jump up. So usually it just killed me, and I was just like, well, okay. Now I know that's where that is. Yeah, exactly. So there's no, like, extra traversal. No, 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 no. no. It's just They introduced just, like, new hazards for you to kind of jump and dash past. Mm. And then the final boss was, like, the fucking stupidest ass shit. The boss fights in Zone 1, 2, 3 were like Meat Boy style bosses. Well, I guess some of the Meat Boy's bosses where it's like a level and you just have to like escape a thing that's chasing you down, which mm, I thought was gotcha. like a good way of doing things. Yeah, those are always good in platforms. Yeah, but in the final one, you actually have to like sit in an arena and like fight this giant dragon and it was, it was just stupid. <laughs> it doesn't really work that well, I don't think. Miranda's laughing her ass gotcha. off as I was just like repeatedly dying to this because you die in one hit. Oh, God. It's health is carried over, so its health never resets. Oh, that's weird. The way it moves...
moved around the environment just made it like so fucking impossible to deal with so i just like kept like going in like shooting it a couple of times and then just getting because you shoot things even though you're a knight whatever I didn't think very highly of this game. It's, like, fine as a platforming game. I think the final boss is kind of bunk. I think the fact that they didn't tell you the controls is also extremely stupid. I would agree with that, yeah. Once I found out that you could shoot enemies out of the way, the game went from being, like, actually one of the hardest platforming games I've ever played to being like, oh, this is actually really simple. I don't know why they advertise this as a precision platformer. It's not really a precision platformer. Because, like I said, the only thing that made it, like, kind of seem like a precision platformer was the fact that you had to, like, pixel-perfect jumps over the hitboxes of these enemies. You know, like I said, I found out later you could just destroy them, so... (laughs) It is what it is. Fair enough. Your game. (laughs) Let's get back to the other JRPG. Pokemon. A break. Uh, Pokemon White. Now there's a reason I played this. You and my wife were making fun of me. Mad shit. For not knowing... Hmm? I was talking mad shit. Because I didn't know the Gym 5 town music. So he sends me this Plague Doctor video that's like grooving to the <laughs> music. And I'm like, what is this from? And he's like, it's from Pokemon. Yeah, there's... How did you not know that? And I'm like... So listen to the I the theme for, for Drift Vale City. I'm sure that anyone who's played the game will immediately know what I'm talking about even before they fucking listen to it. But yeah, this is like... So the video is like I'm walking the drift veil like this and it's just fucking like <laughs> person dressed up as a plague doctor doing this like fucking like swanky ass pimp walk it's the funniest shit it is and though the music is really good as soon as I got to that I just yeah it's catchy as hell it's like, like the best soundtrack bu- in the entire I game I busted a nut I was like yeah it is really good it's a shame that you do music. not spend very long in that town no you don't actually it's surprising you run through that town really quickly but it's like one of the most memorable towns because it's got the fucking best music Mm-hmm. so yeah played through all of that I mean it's Pokemon what do you expect from Pokemon except it's Pokemon so it's got arguably one of the best stories across all the Pokemon games Mm-hmm. what did you think about the story in it? I mean it's not like fucking groundbreaking but by you know compared to the rest of Pokemon yeah, no kidding. No, I liked the dynamic of your group of three. One of the rivals having your weakness to your starter, and, uh, and then the other one, the goofy little one, having you can one-shot <laughs> that Pokemon. Later. Yeah, well, like... I liked their dynamic. Your group of friends, essentially, that are equally your rivals. Chern wants to be like... He wants to be like the, the big Pokemon master, and Bianca's just like, I want to go on a journey to discover myself. <laughs> and you kind of see that in like... Charon takes his team very seriously, and he's got like a really po- like a really well thought out team. And then Bianca's just got like any old shit. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, yeah, you are right. Despite on that. that, she still ends up having, I think, a full team of six by the end of the game, which is better than the fucking Maybe. rivals in XY, where they only have like three Pokemon throughout the entire game. Did they really? Yeah, like the one guy's like, I, I like Pokemon that, that dance, and he has like. <laughs> A crawdont that knows swords dance and like fucking yeah, crab he... hammer or some shit, and that's it. I give Hop a lot of shit from uh, Pokemon Shield and Sword. But, Hop uh, is a good kinda... rival. I will die on that hill. He is a good rival. He is annoying, yes, but he is yes. like a much better <laughs> rival true. than like a ton of the fucking rivals in the last couple of games. In terms of the Pokemon he's got, yeah. No, I agree. Just the shit that he says is uh, very irritating. <laughs> like, he's a better rival than the Gen 2 rival, who has, like, a bunch of the same type Pokemon. So you just have a psychic Pokemon, you just <laughs> dunk on your fucking Gen 2 rival. He's basically just, a, a like, an elite Team Rocket member. He acts that way, too. Yeah, well, he's Giovanni's son. 
they kind of allude to that in the older games, but they tie that together very firmly in the remakes. Mm. He's better than the rival in Gen 3, who doesn't even fully evolve their starter Pokemon. And he's better than all of the rivals in 6, and from what I've heard, he's better than the rival in 7 as well. Yeah, I would say he's on par with like Gen 1 and Gen 4 and Charon in Gen 5. Mm-hmm. As far as like his team comp and then like level of challenge he's going to offer you isn't going to be exactly the same because obviously like Gen 8 being a lot more streamlined and a lot more forgiving helps with the kind of mm-hmm. like that kind of stuff. But generally speaking, he's still got like a team with six Pokemon fully evolved, broad range of types, broad type yeah, coverage. Like good it's variety. Yeah, it's one of the better rival teams. Yep. Yeah, and the, I mean, the rest of the story is, at least it's somewhat memorable. Yeah, um, with N. You going up against Team uh, Plasma. Um, You were, like, finishing it up during Ian's stream earlier this week. I, you said, like, Get- yeah. Getsis is a piece of shit. Like, <laughs> Yeah. He really is. I was is. literally finishing it, and I was just like, I beat N, and I was like, okay, this must be the end. And he's like, no, I've come to be the final villain. And I'm like, why? And then and this old he's like, cripple with the start- cane comes out, and he's like, N, you're garbage. <laughs> it was his Hydragon, or whatever that thing's called. Hydragon. Hydragon. It just kept one-shotting. It kept criticaling me, and it just, like, it was fast. Yeah, so... I couldn't do anything against it, like two times then i beat it the third time because i paralyzed it so lesser known fact about like, pokemon black and white getsis has an illegal hydragon so hydragon i did read about that yeah you yeah. cannot have a hydragon i think he is like level it's like 52 or something i was like 52 or 54 somewhere like yeah that either range. way it, it doesn't evolve until level 64 first of all he just he shouldn't even have the pokemon but like that wise hydragon is so much better than like so many of the Pokemon. So a thing with Black and White was that they got they didn't have any existing Pokemon in the game. They created an entirely like a new 150 that a lot of the region is actually designed to look and emulate the Gen One games, except it's themed around North America, specifically kind of like New York, instead of being themed around uh, I think the Kanto region in Japan. But mm. Because of that, there's not there's a lot of really like not good Pokemon in Gen Five. Gen Five has like a ton of Pokemon that are like they're very good at like the one thing they're good at, and they're kind of crap at everything else. Hydreigon is like one of the only Pokemon that has like really, really, really good stats for just obliterating a ton of stuff. So mm-hmm. when this guy comes along with it, it's like okay, you just caught the legendary dragon, and he one shot your legendary dragon because yes, he has a type advantage, and he and can go just... first because he wins the speed war. Yeah, I found that 100% bullshit. I was like, why would you give me a legendary that? good for this one fight and then it's shit for the next one yeah i was so surprised by that i was just like wait it one-shotted my legendary yes the absolute fuck so zekrom and reshiram neither of them have very good special defense they both are in a lower speed tier than hydreigon so hydreigon gets to go first and will absolutely obliterate them i believe that getsis has enough type coverage on his hydreigon that you cannot pull out like all the other dragon pokemon in the game are slower than it and then i don't think any of the ice pokemon in the game are faster than it either and and it has type coverage that will let it destroy ice pokemon and will let it destroy dragon pokemon so there's like literally nothing you can do against it Yeah, it's very, yeah, it was, I found that very difficult and frustrating the, to fight that damn thing. I forget if I replayed black or white, but when I replayed that game, knowing about what was going to happen ahead of time, I had a Lilligant, and it had 
Quiver Dance, which raises speed, special attack, and special defense. And before he sent out his Hydreigon, I like set up against his Terracosta. <laughs> I see what you mean. With it, and I just, like, used Giga Drain or whatever, healed off, and then just obliterated the rest of his team with this fucking, basically, like, with a special sweeper that had, like, plus four speed, plus four special defense, and plus four special attack. So, like, it didn't even matter. I just fucking destroyed him because I just had his Pokemon was just buffed the hell and back. Yeah, I couldn't believe it did one shot at the Legendary. That alone just makes it, like, what is the point of the Legendary? Uh, pointless. Story. I know the story, but I mean, like, to have the legendary, it uh, just feels pointless. It's, it's fucking hilarious watching a legendary just get one shot by the evil villain, though. You're like, oh, I have this really powerful Pokemon, and it's dead. <laughs> like, I was reading up on it, and it's like, oh, it was, that guy was prepping to defeat, like, N afterwards and be like, I am the king, bitch. Yeah, so that's why he has a Pokemon that has a fucking type advantage against the legendaries. Yeah, which makes sense, but I'm just like, this is really shitty to fight this thing after. Like, thinking it's the end. Hydreigon, 100%, is also, like, the fucking straw that finally broke the camel's back with regard to Dragon-type being just, like, so overwhelmingly overpowered, which is why when Fairy was introduced in Gen 6, not only mm-hmm. is it super effective against Dragon, it completely resists Dragon. At that point, it's like, okay, Dragon is so overpowered as a type that, like, we just need to introduce a hard counter, like, a super-duper hard counter to it. Yeah, no kidding. Like, Steel is not enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, steel's not enough if you've got a fucking fire move, which he has. Yeah, it's got fire blast to cover ice and steel. I was just like, are, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I can't use anything. It just keeps dying. So I paralyzed him to slow him down. Yeah, that's the only way. You gotta paralyze him and then send out something with a super effective attack. Like fighting, ice, dragon. I think that's it. I don't know if bug would still work on it because of the dragon typing. Yeah, Fairy came along and introduced a four times weakness for Hydreigon and is completely resistant to both of its, well, immune to one of its stab moves and resistant to the other. Because yeah, Hydreigon was like legit the fucking straw that broke the camel's back. Adding Fairy made sense to bounce everything out. But yeah, that's fucking hilarious that you got hit by the exact same wall that like, I I feel like everyone who's played Gen 5 got to that (laughs) fight and was like, what the fuck? Yeah, no, like, I lost in that fight the first time because I was not expecting it. Like, I was expecting it not to know certain moves, and it was just like, I one-shot you. I'm like, is there any point in me even reviving any of my characters? I'm just going to die in this fight. I blacked out. I didn't want to catch the legendary again because I saved the Master Ball for fun. But then you go back to him, and then he's just like, ha-ha, and that's it. And then you just start the fight again. He doesn't even say back from war or anything like that. He's just like, yeah, he doesn't say anything. Pokemon is notoriously lazy with stuff like that. It's certainly memorable, maybe not for the right reasons, but... No, yeah, it's Pokemon. What would I tell you if... Sorry, what would you say, rather, if I told you that his team is even more silly in Black and White 2? I guess I'll find out. Are you going to play it? Probably. Okay, well, you have a wider variety of Pokemon available to you, so Hydreigon's a little bit easier to counter, since there's actually Pokemon that can counter it, instead of it being, like, legitimately one of the best Pokemon that was introduced in the generation. Yeah, no, I know. I know that uh, Gen two or version two, Gen five has uh, in five has a bigger roster. Like they have the previous Gen Pokemon early on. Yeah, I really liked Black and White two a lot better because it had like some of your old favorites, and I just feel like the balance of things is a little bit better that way. Well, they kept that going for the next generations too. After that, though, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, no, they never don't let you catch previous Gen stuff. That was a clever decision. I guess I'm glad that White 2 exists and Black 2 exists because that's kept the pattern going. They actually nerfed his team down, never mind. They made it easier to fight. 
Oh, even better. Yeah, well, everything's level 50, and his high dragon's level 52, and instead of level 52 for everything, and his high dragon's level 54. His high dragon has nothing but physical attacks instead of special attacks, so it's using its weaker physical attack stat. Plus, it has a oh. life orb, so it will eventually kill itself if it just rips through your team. Okay. It knows oh, frustration oh, oh. as well, which is hilarious. That means it's going to be a max damage frustration, which means that it fucking hates him. <laughs> oh, yeah, I think I read that, too. Anyway, that's all I really want to talk about with Pokemon. It's our last game. This I... time we're actually I haven't talked about Gungeon yet. Oh, fuck's sakes, right. <laughs> I can, we can sk- no, no, no. I for, I just forgot. I I was paying attention to the list yeah, well, and going I, I, in I order. Didn't, yeah, I did not okay. go in order. <laughs> now talk about Gungeon. The only thing I kind of yeah. wanted to add is that, like I I kind of said like last week that with Gungeon it was going to be a, a when not if. I've completed three yep, runs. Yeah, like when when happened? I'm before trying the, to. The other episode came out or something like that. <laughs> oh yeah, I finished a run like a day or two after <laughs> we recorded. So I'm trying to craft the bullet that kills the past so I can like do the true ending with the different characters. Mm-hmm. I'm having a lot of difficulty grabbing one of the pieces because to get it, it, co- it costs like, I was saying this before we even started, it costs like 110 Currency. Yeah. money to buy on the second floor. So you have to save basically all of your money from floor one and floor two and use it on that, which means that you can't buy anything else on floor one and two. It's like very crippling. You can't really accumulate any resources to get the ball rolling on the first two floors, which just kind of like sets you on the back foot for floors three, four, and five, which makes them exceptionally difficult. Whereas in like a normal run, you can just spend your money as it comes in. And then when you get to like, you're kind of like progressing at a normal rate. So when you like get to the end of the game, it's like, it's like, oh, this is easy. Well, it's not easy, but it's like manageable instead of being like really overwhelmingly difficult. I did read up on some strategies I can use to help alleviate some of the problems I've been having with that. So I might try those and see if I can actually successfully get that so I can craft the bullet that can kill the past. Mm. I'm still having fun with it. All of sometimes where I'm like, I hate this game. <laughs> Those bad runs. Yeah, it's just, it's just like very frustrating sometimes when you get like all, like 90% of the way through the run and because you were doing a primer, that's what the piece is called, you're doing a primer run, you fucking get your ass handed to you like on the fifth floor when you're trying to hunt down the person you need to take the primer to and I'm like, God, fucking piece <laughs> of shit. Instead of just booking it to the boss. Well, like she's usually in front of the boss. Oh. But it, like you don't know what the floor's layout is so you're like running around trying to find right, right. her. By the time you get to the fifth floor, it's like, okay, I'm not like equipped to deal with the fifth floor at the moment, so this is actually really difficult. That's kind of it. I, I, I'm i still having fun with it. It's still one of my favorite games for this year. I've had a really hard time writing about it, though. I just can't like articulate why I enjoy the game, because every time I write about it, I'm like, wow, I fucking hate this game. <laughs> so I just like talk about how hard it is, and like, why do I like this? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. It certainly seems that way. But yeah, on to the final game that we both played. Gorgoa. <laughs> yeah. We don't we don't have so much to I, say on this, do we? <laughs> no, not really. Um so well, I played it and then you saw I played it and then you played it. Is that the is that what I happened? already had a copy, I just had like, I picked it up on an indie sale, I just hadn't got around to playing it and I was like, I remember that artwork. I have it and I'll download it. So. Okay. It's a puzzle mm-hmm. game, kind of. It's a very simple puzzle game. Yeah, it's not super like involved, which is why I'm not like super duper big on it. There was like a few times where I was kind of like, huh? But like most of the times where I was like kind of stumped for a little bit is mostly because I didn't know there was a thing I could interact with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I had the same problem because uh, 
after the introduction, you have like four panels that you can move these, like essentially these tiles around, and then those tiles might lead to other tiles. Yeah, the idea is that you have tiles that you can... It's really hard to describe the game, and it's not because the game is complicated. It's because what you do is like very difficult to describe. I guess the idea is that like sometimes there are windows or frames on tiles, and you can move them from one and tile can, image to another. The other one. Yeah. Yeah, which ends up creating like a new image, and that's like the main way you have to like move around and find things in this game is by taking these tiles and like shifting them around or like reframing them so you can get into like new pictures. The goal being that you're moving this boy in order to get other fruits for his amazing fruit salad. So, did you actually pay attention to the story at all or did you just like kind of not really no i was i was paying attention to the story i just i just made up that idea because i thought it was funny made my own narrative (laughs) (laughs) i gather the idea with the narrative was that this boy finds this book and it's like oh if you find these five fruits it'll summon like this fucking dragon and he does that but then the dragon like destroys a bunch of shit so like a bunch of the panels you're moving through shows like the aftermath where like the city is all destroyed by this dragon and like he like falls from a building at one point and is like crippled for part of his life and then he's like an old man he's like ah I'm very regretful of the things I've done like I should have never summoned that dragon so he like lived his entire life with guilt about it yeah I mean the dragon might be just a metaphor for some sort of mistake that he made in his life that he regrets yeah at first, I didn't realize that it was, like, all fucking frames were about, like, the same guy. But then I kind of, like, toward mm. the end, when you had to go through, like, five of them in a row at different points in time, I'm like, oh, god, this was the same dude. This is one narrative. I picked the, up on that on the third one, or maybe it was the fourth one, um, where okay. he's remembering the boy falling. And I'm like, okay, why would he be remembering the boy falling unless he's, like, a relative or it's him? Yeah, in hindsight, I feel like that was like a really dead, like an obvious giveaway. But I was like very focused on the, puzzle. the puzzles, so <laughs> I, I wasn't taking in the fact that there could even be a narrative until I kind of saw all of them together. I was like, "Oh shit, this is like one big story." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, by that point, you better know it's that. Yeah, it's an interesting game. Mm-hmm. It's fine. It, like, it wasn't puzzly enough for me to enjoy it as like a puzzle game. I usually like when there's like a much bigger focus on mechanics. Like I said, I feel like most of the time I was kind of like stumped in this game was due to me not realizing there was something I could interact with rather than... Yeah, I had the same problem where I like looked up something and I was just like, oh, that's why, because that's an interactable. I never had to look anything up, but I was playing with Miranda, so like I wouldn't think to interact with something and she would be like, try this thing. And I'd be like, okay, and I'd try that thing. And they're like, oh, that's the thing we needed. Cool. I only had to look up one thing. I was just like, I think it was when you had to put the, the time on the clock. I didn't realize that I could move it in a certain way and then overlap the times. I was like, oh, I thought there was more to this. I discovered what you were supposed to do for that solution entirely by accident. I was like messing around with stuff and then I got like one of them. I think the blue, mm. like the hour hand in the right spot. And I was like, oh wait, it's the time. I understood that part. I just didn't understand about how to overlap them. I don't know why. Like it just, oh. my brain did not put two and two together. So did you play it on PS4? Yes. So I played okay, it on so I feel like it'd be a bigger pain in the ass to play with a fucking controller than it was with a mouse. It was. I will agree with that because the controller is essentially a mouse. Oh, okay, yeah, so the game was definitely designed for, like, a tablet or a computer, because it's, like, gesture or mouse controls 100% would be, like, the way to play this game. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I always feel like it's a little bit cheap when you spend more time in a puzzle figuring out what you're supposed to do, rather than actually, like, 
Or no, that's not it. Figuring out what you have to do. No, that's not what I wanted me to say. Opposite, but I know what you mean. <laughs> like, it, it's when you're trying to figure out how to, like, solve a logic puzzle. That's the part of puzzles I actually enjoy. Like, figuring out, having to figure out something's even interactable is even part of the puzzle. Like, I don't, to me, that doesn't feel like much of a puzzle. That, to me, that always feels, like, really cheap. You know, like, I'm a software mm-hmm. developer, right? So, like, most of the time when I'm solving a problem, it's like, okay, here's the problem. I already know all the tools I can use to solve that problem, and then I just have to figure out how to solve that problem. So obviously that is the kind of problem solving I prefer doing. I like having complicated problems and knowing all of my tools set and then figuring out what combination of tools I can use to solve that problem rather than being like, what even is a tool that can be used to solve this problem? So it's fine. Pick it up on sale if you're interested in playing it yeah. already. It, it's definitely worth looking at specifically because it's like, oh, this is like very interesting, but I couldn't recommend it off of like the strength of it, the mechanical complexity or the narrative. It, it's just like, it, it's, it's more like art. It's more art than gameplay. Yeah, I, I feel that. It, one thing though, it's really well paced, I would say. It only takes about an hour and like or 80 minutes to like 100 minutes to finish like an hour and a bit to an hour and a half comes in it shows off everything it has to show which isn't very much and then it kind of fucks off really quickly so (laughs) i appreciated it on that basis especially after playing like resident evil in the same weekend i was like okay so it's like not (laughs) padding itself out for no fucking reason (laughs) but yeah it's goragoa I think this is the first game we've ever played on the same time in the same episode. <laughs> well, I feel like you only played it because I played it, and you were like, oh, hey, we, I can play that really quick. And it wasn't very long, right? So it's, like, very no. easy to just... Yeah, I know. <laughs> for one of us to play, and the other one to be like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of games that we bought, are you ever going to go back and play more Monster Hunter? Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right. You just wanted to play Monster Hunter so you can talk more about it. I mean, I have plenty of stuff to play, so I don't need to play Monster Hunter, but... <laughs> no, I, I have, what, 13 different games that I still have to work through from the Steam sale. Miranda thought I had finished most of the stuff I'd bought from the Steam sale, because I finished, like, three different games last weekend, but I'm like, nope, I still have a lot of stuff to play through. I got I got plenty to play other than Monster Hunter, so I, I don't know. Uh, I might come back to it at some point. You fucking, like, platinum them all, and getting the platinum trophy in Monster Hunter is such a pain in the ass, so... Well, I'm playing on PC, so it would be all the achievements, but yeah. Oh, that's true, yeah. That's a wrap on this episode of the Frosty Canucks podcast, motherfuckers. Yes, you can follow this podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, or Anchor. Spoofy. There's the spoofy. I was waiting for the spoofy. You can follow myself at Javam Animation. That's J-A-V-M Animation. I post what I've been playing there. Jason's got some top quality shit posts. Go follow his Twitter. Some of the or stuff some, he posts is fucking hilarious. Yeah, I got a few shit posts in the oven. Or shit videos, I guess. Yeah, shit posts are good. Same shit. And Steven, your stuff. Okay, so you can follow me at FrostyLate on Twitter. That's Wait, where that's everything... Frosty's, that's Frosty's site. I'm confused. Piss off. I knew it. <laughs> Frosty on Twitter. That's where you can find just about everything I'm working on. For art-related stuff, you can go to Instagram. I have not been doing art, but I did pick up my tablet for the first time in like two and a half months today. I wasn't super enthused with what I came up with, but that's neither here nor there. So there might be some art stuff coming out in the future. For blog stuff, go to frostylight.ca. There's a few things I've written in the last couple of weeks that I think are really good and people should check out. I don't really know what's coming out on the horizon because I've had a really hard time writing about Gungeon, and that's kind of the only game I want to write about, but I can't write anything about it, so, you know, I don't know what's coming out in the next <laughs> couple of weeks, but that's not necessarily unusual. 
And no, that's it because I'm just like not doing the streaming right now because I have my furry little white potato. So I don't think she would give me a large enough window to actually stream in. So yeah. She'd interrupt the stream. Yeah, basically, like a lot. <laughs> Potentially a lot, a lot. But yeah, go read my shit on my blog, frostylate.ca. Thanks everyone for joining us this week and stay frosty.